I get quite a bit bothered when somebody is like, yeah, but slowly the world's changing. You know, women will have equal rights eventually. But you know that equal rights eventually, you can't sit down and lay back. Because if my mother had like sat down and been like, no, the world will change while I allow it to exist, I wouldn't be where I am. So which is why I think it's very important for every single young woman to like, for the sake of honoring those sacrifices and for honoring those fights, to keep pushing, to keep pushing for an equal world and fighting for it and never taking it for granted. This is episode number eight of Hustle with Harmeet and you'll be listening to my conversation with Gurmehar Kaur, an author and a social activist. Welcome everyone to Hustle with Harmeet. My name is Harmeet Singh and I'm your host for this show. Every week, I interview interesting personalities from across the globe. The insights and hacks shared by our guests will help you achieve a winner's mindset as well as inspire you to live a life full of passion and purpose. My special guest on the show today is Gurmehar Kaur. Gurmehar is the author of multiple books. Her latest book, The Young and the Restless, was published last year by Penguin India. She is a social activist and an ambassador for Postcards for Peace, a non-profitable charitable organization. She co-founded Citizens for Public Leadership, CPL, an independent non-partisan movement focused on advocating for progressive public policy in India. In 2017, her 4.5-minute video clip, Batting for Peace Between India and Pakistan and Calling for an End to War Between Two Nations, went viral. In 2017, Time magazine used the phrase free speech warrior in expressing their opinion of Gurmehar Kaur and included her in their 10 next generation leaders list for 2017. Currently, she is pursuing her master's from Oxford University. In today's episode, Gurmehar has shared her insights about her journey from the classrooms of Punjab to the halls of Oxford how the women in her life have helped shape her as a fearless warrior, how she made national headlines in 2017 for defending her views and opinions, what she learned about life when subjected to criticism, vitriolic attacks and even character assassination, learnings from Sikhism that have influenced her life, inspiration behind her book The Young and the Restless. Before we begin, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and you may also connect with us on our Instagram page at the rate hustle with Hermit for all the latest updates on our upcoming episodes. So let's jump into our episode number eight. Hi everyone, I'm super excited to introduce to you all the one and only Gurmehar Kaur. Welcome to the show, Gurmehar. It's great to have you here today. Harmeet, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for doing this. So, Gurmehar, the first time I saw you, that was in 2017. And that was neither in a coffee shop nor in a bookstore. But in fact, it was on the national television during a primetime news debate. You were voicing your opinion for a cause which was very close to your heart. But Gurmehar, today I want to know How's the journey been post-2017 in these last three years? And what's keeping you busy nowadays? 
I think I think if I have to answer specifically just for myself and like how my day to day things have been, I think my my journey in terms of like in terms of like what I want to do in life with my like academics, the kind of work that I wanted to do has been very consistent in the sense that this is something I planned for. Like I knew I wanted to finish my undergrad and I wanted to do my masters. Uh, but between that, I think the book happened. You know, you always when you go into like when you go into studying literature as I did, you always think that after doing literature, I'm going to be a writer. And for me, I was very fortunate that in my second year, I had written like I was working on a book, and like in my third year, I was working on another. So those things, I think, were something that I did not expect or did not plan for, or did not. I mean, I hoped for it and I dreamed for it, but anyone would. You know, this is something that's like the biggest dream of your life that I want to write a book, and I was very fortunate to live that dream very early on in my in my life. But I don't think at any point it. Uh, but i don't think that had an impact on my larger goals in life if anything life's just been extremely busy extremely tiring um but very exciting as well fantastic uh, so gurmeet they say the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step so can you take us back from where it all started your childhood how were the early years of your life would you like to share something with us i think i think if i remember something very distinctly it's just i don't i can't quite tell you what that one step was because i don't think it's ever one step i feel like you know quotes are quite lovely because you know they motivate people to do something that's tougher but but i don't think life can be crunched into a quote and be explained so i feel like for me for me like my journey would start um the day i think the first conversation maybe i would have had with my mom about war and i couldn't tell you if i remember it because i don't but like all i know is that we spoke about warfare we spoke about hatred we spoke about enemy country our country we spoke about history what i what i do know is that i fell deeply in love with um with post partition literature i fell deeply in love with uh my state because of so much that i had gone through in 1947 i felt in love with our like punjab's history because it's been such an it's been such a rich history that you know in like the larger um in like the larger scale of things and in the larger idea of nation building and nationalism that we keep forgetting that you know bengal and punjab were two states that faced the brunt of nation building in punjab right. and i think when you think about warfare enemy country really what it did for me was just push me into this into the space of wanting to know more and wanting to do the right thing i think at one point there was this intellectual curiosity of our history on the other side there was like this deep empathy of a, of a child that i had at that point because you know as children you're very often um told this is right and this is wrong and you know and violence is always something that we are as children told that is very wrong right there's no this you're not debated a child will never be told that there's nuance in violence so when he was telling me as a as a child that oh uh, okay but yeah 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 but at one at one place you're telling me i can't hit my neighbor's kid but on the other thing you're telling me to look at nuance in in like the violence between two countries or the violence between two communities um so i felt like that was a bit of a warped idea on like on like <laughs> the adults of the world because then you're either lying to me as a child or you're lying to me as an adult and i think and that was where i was just like nope i think there's a little bit something wrong these two things are like factually incorrect and they do, do not they cannot coexist together and i was very hell bent on believing that that violence is not like it, it 
just wasn't something that I felt could be ever justified. So is that the reason you uh, didn't uh, opt to be uh, in armed forces because you have chosen a different path in spite of being raised in a family of uh, army veterans and you know, of being surrounded by army people yeah. uh, listening to such stories from the day one no I'm just curious to know why didn't yeah. Gurmeher end up joining the armed forces then I think I think for a very long time I wanted to do that as a child because I wanted to be like my father for me it was very simple it was just like I want to do the thing that my father did like I want to walk in his footsteps and i think at some point i think i up until like i was 16 or up until like i was 17 i i which is why i still didn't, i don't have any tattoos on me because uh, i remember when all my friends were getting tattoos and i was like i never even had that idea because i was like no what if in in case i want to join the army i'll never be able to um clear the clear the physical test because of the, because having like a permanent marked identification right um but anyway eventually of course life turned a certain way for me i either associate the armed forces with my father uh and like the childhood that i had seen or i think i would associate the armed forces in like a more intellectual space that i come from as like a functionary of the state and i do find like for me there's like a little personal conflict in that situation because like fundamentally like i said i'm not somebody who's who can ever be okay with violence but at the same time you know it's something that people who i deeply love you know my father his friends his colleagues you know his the people in the unit um the jcos uh, who you know remember him so dearly their families you know there's so much love within the army fraternity and i think and i think there's always remains a certain like intellectual conflict and like an actual on ground you know a bottom up idea of what makes makes the institution and also i think after a certain point i was like they're not going to take me i feel like i'm going to change it so it's like they'll just see my name and they'll be like look bye bye so, i'm actually glad you're you're still uh, contributing to the society to the country maybe from different uh, angle but you're still contributing a lot you're inspiring a lot of youth uh, to go out and make their voices heard so uh, gurmeher I, w- i want to understand from you you know uh, that what kind of person were you uh, like uh, in your group of friends were you always the outspoken one the person who was always getting into troubles so <laughs> i think i was quite i, I mean i i've been told i'm a very annoying friend um but very chatty very outgoing kind of like a troublemaker but sometimes but not really a bit of a, i have like a little bit of a temper sometimes um but i don't know i quite i quite don't know how to explain but i would say like a very annoying person like i can be extremely annoying is what i know but the endearing way is also what i know <laughs> no no uh, from being uh, a troublemaker to now a peacemaker Uh, I want to ask Gurmeher, you know, what in life brought you to Delhi? I think very simple. I got into I got into LSR and I had to move. I think there was also like before going to LSR, there was this whole conversation about like, oh my God, it's Delhi. Delhi is such a scary place. Where is she going to live? Young girl, and she's also like a bit of a troublemaker. So you know, you can't quite control her. So if you tell her not to do something, she'll hundred percent go and do it. So you know, my my family was a bit worried about. It's, and it's quite funny because I remember I had an option between um, Hindu College and LSR, 
uh, and I wanted to do Paul Science in Hindu. Um, and and I, and I was I equally loved Paul Science, so, which is which is what you see right now. I did my undergrad in literature, and then I'm doing my master's in like uh, interdisciplinary, you know, international relations and anthropology of South Asia, like a more political space. Um, Absolutely. So for me, like uh, my heart has always been torn between uh, political science and English literature. So LSI had gotten into for English and Hindu had gotten into for Paul Science. Um, and I remember my mother was like, if she goes to Hindu, uh, which is North Campus, which is also the hub of, you know, student politics. Right. And, my, my, and my mother knew like the kind of person that I was. She's like, she's definitely going to be involved in student politics. And like that can't happen. So she's like, and then she she kind of like lured me into this whole idea, like go to LSR. Um and it's it's a lovely college. It's in a very pretty space. It's you'll be close to like fancy places like GK and Defense Colony. And at that point, it, it didn't matter to me. I was like, yeah, but I'd rather be close to my friends. Uh, but then for some reason, she was very hellbent on like not having me be in a space of um, political turmoil. And then I just when I went to LSR, and six months later, um, Ram just happened. And then I. And then after like everything died down and, you know, we could joke about it at, at home. My mother was like, I don't know. you." She's like, you might as well have just gone to Hindu. Because like you clearly couldn't sit sit down. You clearly couldn't not, like you clearly could not control your desperate need to, you know, be political or, or, or have these opinions or be a part of, you know, uh, things that matter to you, no matter how far how many metro stations away you are from North Campus. But, <laughs> but yeah, I think that was like one, that was one thing um, I remember very distinctly that my mother was hell-bent on when I was moving to Delhi, which was her fear of me being um, involved in student politics. Yeah, well, it's funny how that fear eventually like manifested and turned out. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So sorry, mom. Uh, but <laughs> I, guess, I guess if you're meant to do something, you're just like meant to do uh, we'll make sure that your mom listens to this one. No, <laughs> she's gonna like it. So, Gurmeher, uh, I once heard you saying that Gurmeher is not a three-day-long controversy, but a product of three generations. Yeah, yeah. And I guess you're referring to the woman in your family who raised you. Mm-hmm. So, can you tell us something more on that? How the women in your life have helped shape you? How the women in your life have shaped the Gurmeher, as we all know you today? I think there's so many ways. I think day-to-day actions. I think it's very, I think I had a very wonderful privilege of uh, of living in a household where the like patriarchy didn't quite exist in like my immediate household. Like I saw my mother make the biggest decisions, whether it's finances, whether it's um, work, whether it's what school I'm going to go to. You know, often, often these decisions that you see um, like the male patriarchs of your family making, I, I I knew that my mother was making them. And not only was she making it, she was also, my father was the eldest uh, brother, his family. So often, you know, she wasn't just making those decisions for me and my sister, but she was making those decisions for, you know, for our larger family, fathers, younger brothers. I was very fortunate to grow up in like the kind of family where I saw my mother do it. And I and as and as you grow up, you you notice that it's not quite the same everywhere around and I think that's where my first feminist understanding came my first understanding of patriarchy came and with that understanding also came like a deep respect for my mother and my grandmother because 
because you know you often read up stories of other people and the kind of challenges they have to face because you know society is too harsh on them for being um for being women and then on top of it being a single woman we're always questioned twice more for everything you do and you have to give explanations and at some point uh, you have to listen to a lot of things people say uh, and it's a very it's a very unique thing to like south asian communities and families where uh, you know people gossip a lot and 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 then with that with like with the stress of having just lost your husband you know having to raise two daughters um you know working every day and i think you know a lot of like deep respect and i think and i don't think i would have been the kind of person if it wasn't for my mother being the person she was having gone through the experience that she had gone through and and, and i say this my mom's not an intellectual feminist like she never picked up a book on feminism and was like hey i'm a feminist today and for my nani for both my nani and my mom both of whom lost their husbands quite young and raised two daughters on their own i think it never they never picked up a book on feminism was like we are feminists i think they were very the situation was such that that they couldn't do anything but fight for their own voice and fight for their own right and fight for their own space and you know and fight for for the right to make their own money um uh to raise their children the way they wanted to raise them to. and and that's just, and that's what they say about the feminist movements right uh today we we as women who we are we're standing on the you know we're standing our opinions stand on like the work done by so many women before us for me i can immediately point it out to my grandmother and my mother um but i can also but that also but i can also point it out to the various women who fought for us to vote who fought for us to um like in saudi arabia you know finally a woman can drive a car yeah yeah with so much of like protest and fight has gone into it I, the college that i study in oxford is the first women's college uh, that was made um and so much of the so much of a fight was done for that because oxford was a male university so you know i the space that i'm occupying now has been created for me uh for various women and i and i think even for me i i don't think or or for any other girl i don't think our journeys our opinions are just our own we stand on like foundations laid by various women before us and like and their struggles and we have to respect that uh, which is why i get quite a bit uh, bothered when somebody's like yeah but slowly the world is changing um you know women will have equal rights eventually um but mm-hmm. you know that equal rights eventually you can't sit down and lay back because if yeah. my mother had like sat down and been like no the world will change while i allow it to exist i wouldn't be where i am so which is why i think it's very important for every single young woman to like ho- to for the sake of honoring those sacrifices and for honoring those fights to keep pushing to keep pushing for an equal world and fighting for it and never taking it for granted uh, i'm glad you raised that up gurmeher because i hope you know one day um, there would be someone who says you know the work done by gurmeher or someone like her paved the way for her for a better life you know and just picking the phrase from your book the small acts of freedom you now small acts of freedom being done by someone in the past let's say who built this exclusive college for women in let's say oxford you know or someone who pushed for that rights for women to drive the cars in saudi arabia those were the small acts of freedom which yeah. gave rise to the big revolution yeah yeah and i don't th- I, and i mean i'd be very fortunate if someone was to stay so but i don't think i i think the only i i i i mean i hope it i'd be very honored if someone said that i helped 
pave away but i don't think i would do it alone i think i think it's not just me i think i just do my very small bit which is a speck like which, which is like a drop in the ocean i think there are so many female feminists and activists and writers and thinkers and uh, academics who are constantly working so hard to push the conversation debate and to push mindsets and i think if anything i hope to look back at not not just me but like the entire generation of us and be like you know now we have to take this even further cuz i would be too pompous of me to be like me no that's not true i i barely do anything you know the not just the small acts of freedom but sometimes you know uh, combining this small acts of freedom with let's say random acts of kindness which will probably give birth to a better society i hope so i hope <laughs> so uh, so gumihar uh, uh, i want you to take us back uh, to 2017 can you tell us about the events that unfolded in your life and why a 19 year old gurmeher had to voice her opinion nationally i think it wasn't quite planned it was very instinctive i remember i remember i was meant to go to the protest with my friends because that's what we did as a group and i and i and i kind of was having something it was like a bad day and i couldn't and i had a fight with somebody and i was just like i i'd rather just work on my essay cuz that was due and i remember for the first, and it was the first protest that i had not gone to and i remember then eventually we came back to our uh, pgs and you know how it is like once you enter the pg after like 8 pm you're not allowed to go out and all yeah. my friends um from the neighboring pgs were not allowed to come to their house or like or the lsr hostel were not allowed to go to their house and were beaten up and you know we could see and on one side i could see the whatsapp messages of like fear like with such you know that was sent with such fear and on the other side i could see very unfair and very dishonest uh, tv coverage calling it clashes whereas i and you know i could be like yeah my and i was i was 18 in my first year and i was like yeah my 18 year old friends are not somebody who are going to clash with law pack 22 year old abbp lawyers it sounded to me really it, it sounded it was so unfair and i think and i think at that point i had been a part of like some other campaigns and i spoke to you know spoke to a couple of friends and i was like i think we should do this and at no point do you imagine it to become like such a big movement you just think that okay i'm going to do my part and re- register my protest and i think to be honest after that point everything's been quite a blur i don't think i really recognize it very clearly in my head as well right i remember very vividly you know when those protests were taking place uh, i came back from my work and my grandmother she's 80 years old and she was watching the television and you know she uh, tells me her mean uh, look out there there's this young girl 18 19 years old how boldly she is raising her voice for her friends for the society and she was very proud of you that day you know so i i think you sometimes you don't know you don't understand the kind of impact you are creating the kind of inspiration you're becoming not just for the younger generation but sometimes for the elder ones also yeah i hope so i don't know i mean i mean i'm so glad you're i'm so glad your daddy said that it's it's uh, you know like i said i think we are here because of the work done by women like her i don't think we like none of us would be voicing our opinions the way we were if it wasn't for um the space that women before us had created i feel i feel very fortunate i was able to do that uh, so gurmeet at the same time you were subjected to criticism uh, vitriolic attacks and even corrected assassination 
Yeah. And I would like to uh, read out something which you said, and I quote: "Everyone in the world had an opinion on me. I had lost myself to everybody else's opinion. I was no longer a person." Unquote. So, how did you deal with such criticism, Gurmeher? And any learnings from this phase in your life? I think it's not. I think it wasn't just about criticism. I, I think you know, criticism is something like you, like you deal with. But I think it it was this like loss of agency. about your own story and especially think about it now right we as individuals are always on social media are always in our life you know curating our life to sound a certain way you know our life have a certain narrative and then all of a sudden that entire thing is changed and you're like a villain in your own life and everywhere you step out everyone recognizes you as no but like nothing but like this terrible person and and i remember at that point i was just so scared i was like oh my god no one would ever want to be friends with me because they think i'm such a terrible person like that was my immediate concern other things are beyond like oh why are they saying this to me um threats of life and rape and you know those are of course like bigger things that are deeply impactful but like immediately in my own little space i was just like would my would people want to be friends with me would my friends parents will be happy to have me in their house uh you know having like heard yeah. like various terrible tales about me which are often and and they're so malicious and they're so so dishonest and so like there's not not a speck of truth in any of these whatsapp rumors that go around where people believe and when people discuss it and the thing with and i think when and i think in our society is when it's about a young woman it becomes like that gossip is far more interesting than it is about a boy yeah you know gossip about about women especially younger women is far more uh, encouraged and there's so many layers to it which of course i mean for me it was it, so much of it was character character assassination and i think and I, i don't know i don't quite know how i even like gathered the courage to do it but the only thing that like get push, pushing me on was just like these people are lying and they are very powerful people very big, you know the biggest media houses in the in the world um the big the biggest uh, news anchors in the country Uh, the biggest spokesperson you know the minister of god knows what cabinet ministers and it was like i mean at that point i was just like yeah well you guys might be like very powerful people but you can't distort my truth right and i was like then i would like rather then i'll do what i have to do then i will write about it because that's the only thing i can do what else is i supposed to do right so i wrote a blog i wrote a couple of pieces in newspaper and i remember there was a bit and especially now that i finished my uh, international relations exam and there was a, there were like bits and pieces like op-eds that basically said oh gurmeher is a young idealistic girl like once she understands more about how you know countries interact with each other and why wars exist she'll realize that wars are out of her control and you know i just finished my exams in oxford and i'm just like i will be you know i i i would have done my thesis by on 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 india's international relations uh, in the region south asia and i think i can very fairly after having very in- extensively studied uh, wars and warfare and nuclear weapons and the impacts of it and and the history of south asia the anthropology of south asia and societies and after having studied all of that i just want to and I, I, i was just thinking i was like i just still want to tell these people who were writing these various you know these these glorified opinion writers who who had been writing these op-eds saying i'm i'm a idealistic young girl that okay that was when that was 
when I was 19, but at 23, five years later, having studied all of this, I would still be the young idealistic person. And I would still say that wars can be prevented. And I don't think they're absolutely necessary. It's the capitalist system that 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 pushes it. And I could and yeah, and I feel a lot more confident now because at that point I was kind of second guessing myself. But having properly studied everything, I think, yeah, I would still I would still go back to like 19 year old me and be like, good job, like for standing in front of these old green men. Yeah, that's powerful, Gurmahir, what you have shared. Your mother has always been very uh, supportive of you, you know, like she's always been a very staunch supporter, a pillar of strength and support for you. And the times which you went through, you know, all during all those criticism, yeah. not just by uh, by people of your age, but by people who were very, very powerful in the system. Yeah. So what kind of conversations you had with the mother that time? Because this was something which you uh, never discussed. You know, no one, no one plans for such situations. So, so what did she tell you that time? I think I think nothing, which I think is the greatest thing about a mother can do. Because often when your children are in distress, um, you know, your mother and your parents' reaction is to be like, I'm going to protect you and I'm going to tell you what to do. And I think the most amazing thing that she did for me was to let me be and to let me do this on my own, to let me go say what I had to say on a camera. I don't think she's ever, I think the only event that she might have attended would be the would be my first book launch. So I think, I think for me, the biggest thing my mother did, and I'm very fortunate for it, was trust me, let me be, and trust my instinct and like just stand by me as opposed to tell me what to do. Because of that, I then went through everything in my life on my own. You know, I planned my life on my own, whether it was what I'm studying in my master's, what thesis I'm doing. Uh, and I think it it built me to be the person that I am. I don't think I would think the way I think now or I would be the person I would be uh, if it was for constantly my mother coming and telling me something. I think the only conversations we do have are often about kindness, about empathy, about self-awareness, about not losing our sense of, again, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And even when it's even when it becomes extremely difficult to do so. Right. And I believe you're very fortunate to have such supportive parents, very, you know. Very fortunate, very privileged. I, I, I also understand that not every household or not every person has the kind of parents the, that I do. So I'm very fortunate for that. Great. So Gurmeher, uh, taking this conversation ahead with you, what being a sick woman means to you? Mm-hmm. And any learnings which probably you have taken from Sikhism, which you'd like to share with us? I think for me, it's a lot. Because often... Your sense of right and wrong, especially in our part of the world in South Asia, comes from like the religion that you belong to, comes from like the stories that you've been told, stories of sacrifice for people, the stories of kindness, you know. And for me, Sikhism has been such an inclusive religion that if I'm today, if I'm talking about uh, inclusivity in a political space right now, I, I can go back and be like, it does come from a space where, I mean, something as, as simple like the Gurbani. You know, it has bits and pieces and learnings and philosophies from across religions. You know, or the fact that the, the Golden Temple has, you know, four entrances for every religion. You know, so my idea of secularism can never be challenged because I've because for me, for me, even religion becomes secular. Right. And then, of course, there was the story about Pai Kanayaji 
which is you know where he goes and when they're fighting with the mughal soldiers and then he's seen giving the soldiers water and yeah. then and guru gobind singh ji's disciples they go go back to him and they're like oh look what look what he's doing he's giving the enemies water and then there's a very big line that he says and i remember my nani used to tell me this there's a very big line that he said he's like yeah your job as soldiers is to you know fight the enemy his job as you know as a sikh is to fight uh, animosity ah right and it's such an important right. and i remember for me that's so important because i'm not i'm not a soldier i'm not in the indian army you know i i'm i'm as a human being my job should be to kill that hatred you know i sh- i should be feeding water so i mean and i'm not and i'm not exactly what you would say the most practicing sikh but that idea that i that i grew, grew up with you know the community that i share the sense of giving you know the sense of giving comes from seva um right and and the fact that thing and even beyond like the philosophical bit of religion the work that we've done as a community to stand up against oppression in various parts of the world whether it's khalsa the aid standing up with you know in stand doing the work in syria or doing the work in bangladesh with the rohingya muslims the rohingya refugees and or or the kind of work that sikh communities do in 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 delhi in india which is at any given point fellow minority communities feel threatened uh, we have always stood up for them and i think that like that that sense of that sense of giving that sense of inclusivity at the community currently practices not just our philosophical under uh, you know underpinnings but what we do as a community is so important for me uh, and i don't think we can ever put enough emphasis on it but uh, yeah so if you tell me how important is my religion to me i would say that i may not be the most practicing sikh uh, out there of course there's so many more uh, well learned sikh scholars but i think as an activist i draw or like as a citizen or as a person i do draw a lot of a lot of inspiration and a lot of assurance from the community that i belong to right and that's powerful gurmeher very powerful uh so shifting this discussion so gurmeher can you share with us something behind uh, the inspiration of your last book the latest book in fact the young and the restless i think for me it was i knew that we were very political as a generation you know our generation is deeply political and like the election was coming and we'd been like in our in the history of our country at that point we had so many new young voters and then i was just like and as somebody who wanted to vote as somebody who wanted to know what our younger politicians were like i went ahead and there are books about old politicians there's so there's so much literature on older politicians pick anyone there's so much to read about them but what about younger ones who are actually representing us there's none and i remember like being very frustrated about it and i was like i want to know what younger politicians are doing it's a young country it's a you know where where 60% of us are under the age of 25 where where is our represent, representation i want to know about my younger leaders and you know when you talk when you type in and i remember at that point when i type in young leaders the only names that would show up would be of people of 50 years old <laughs> and, I, and i was like by the time i'm 50 i would have had two children <laughs> Right, would be then going to talk. Right, right. So I don't think they are very young. So I and I did, and I was like, okay, then I want to, I want to do this, and I want to because I'm sure if I'm curious about it, then there's there's so many others who would be curious. But and there's something very unique about young politicians as opposed to old. Young politicians don't come into politics as a as now like a post retirement, you know, second thing. 
as often like a lot of other politicians do that they spend their whole life in corporate or law and then once they've retired or like be a judge but once they've retired or like be an athlete or be an actor but once they've retired they're like yeah maybe i should just move my influence into a sphere of politics because it's convenient you know you fight an election once and then it's five years of holding a position and then doing menial works whereas young people i think come into politics with a whole sense of like this is my career like this is what i want to do what i want to do is to serve people not just for five terms at the end of my life but for like the seven eight how many ever terms till they're actually 50 so yeah for me that was i wanted to know who are these people who would do this term after term after term after term after term after term as opposed to a 50 year old who just wants to do it for two terms right i know although you have written the book on the young politicians of india but is there someone uh, from the global arena uh, a young politician which you look up to and you probably say okay no harmeet that, that's the one who walks the talk yeah uh, alexandra ocasio cortez so i look up to her a lot i look up to her a lot so she's someone and, and there's a documentary on her on netflix she's someone who's so bold who takes on the corporate in america and and she does it and she does it with such and she comes from this working class background you know she's been a bartender she's comes from a family of immigrants and the way she's marked her presence and the way she's she brings out issues that's the kind of leadership and spark i want to see want india to have and i think of course there's you know the shela rashid who's a brilliant brilliant young woman and then there there's somya reddy lays low but like does the everyday work of you know meeting the constituents and getting work done and standing for the causes she stands for um it's quite it's quite uh, we do have we do have wonderful people in india it's a gurmeha which we see today uh, would it be appropriate to say that she is the next active politician in the making i think for me and it's a very important conversation for me to have right now with me with myself because i'm just finishing education and i'm slowly but i think i think in me it's not it's not something that i wouldn't want to do it's not something that i say no to because i think it's a powerful medium to ch- to bring change the only thing i would be apprehensive is you know as a young as a young woman with no family background it becomes it's a very it can also be a deeply toxic industry and also am i somebody who's the most useful for this job or are there other people who can be who can who could be better leaders than me who would rather who who would or other women especially better leaders than me am i more suited for writing uh, am i more suited in academia am i more suited in knowledge production am i more suited in uh, in the space of activism or am i best suited in a space of politics i'm not quite sure yet and i think the aim the aim for whatever i like whatever path i choose it has to be one that is the most effective for bringing change because it's very it's very easy to be charmed by the idea of politics because it's quite you know it's power, it's there's this whole sense of power this love of people and then this whole sense of oh i'm doing the right thing um but it's also a very convoluted space i think you have to be i have to be very honest with myself that if i do join politics how much of a change can i bring how will i ever have to sit back on my values will i ever have to say something that i don't believe in am i okay with saying something that i don't believe in right now i don't think i am right if i don't have my own voice then there's no point if i have a powerful position then i'm just like a then i'm just another fit in the system 
So, so that's one path which, uh, as as you could figure out, you're still not shutting it down completely. Well, it's a very solid medium. But like I said, I think there are often people who can be okay with, um, with, with you know, who are more pragmatic. I don't know if I am that pragmatic. I do, I'm not quite sure. But would I be for the greater cause? I don't know. So are you more impulsive? I think I'm. I have a very, I have a very strong sense of right and wrong. And I think my my whole identity also depends on my sense of right and wrong. So if I don't if I don't have that sense of right and wrong, I don't see what purpose I can bring to the to the world. Right. So what drives you every day, Gurmeher? You know, what's your biggest purpose in life? Is I think it's it's deep love for people. I think a lot of people talk about love for the country. A lot of people talk about. love for their community a lot of people talk about love for their religion but i often we talk about love for like these terms the country community religion caste um but we never talk about love for people as they are without these labels i and i think for me the work that i want to do is bring love is to bring kindness is to bring empathy and of course like actual physical um impactful things like food um you know like development and i want to be in those fields for like the most marginalized of the world i'm actually very so glad that we are having this conversation today gurmeh because your 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 passion towards lot of issues you know um, how you feel towards such issues that's so genuine and authentic you know that i could even sense that vibe right now talking to you that how how much it means to you so you are also gurmeh associated with the postcards for peace as an ambassador so we like to share something what is it all about uh so postcards for peace is an organization that was um that that was founded in 2017 by martin uh, rossel who's uh, who's a resident of the uk and it's got a bunch of ambassadors from across the world and it started off by sending postcards between two countries um which was mostly in the uk and like various other places and then there was a campaign on, on syria Uh, about Syria, where we wanted to have a bunch of handprints and then make a human chain and send it to the U- UN. Um, so we do a bunch of we do a bunch of advocacy stuff for peace around the world, uh, and it's a very it's a deeply it's it's a very nice organization that we're a part of. That sounds so good, yeah. Uh, so Gurmeet, this brings me uh, towards the end of our uh, first segment, and you know we are moving into the last segment now, mm-hmm. which I call the one minute round. So I'm going to give you a minute each. to answer few questions and uh, so here's the first one what success means to gurmeher i think a sense of a sense of equality in the world i think if i can ever if i can ever reach that i think that i'd be successful oh, one book which you recommend everyone should read uh, for freedom but <laughs> but no please go on yeah yeah i'm just joking um i think one book i would um ask everyone to read would be would be the god of small things what's happiness for gurmeher who happiness for me is a sense of calm the last line of your autobiography would read and then she found peace so gurmeher this brings me towards the last question of mm-hmm. the episode and here's what i want to ask you consider yourself to be standing in a room you're the only one in that room the lights are dim After a minute, a person walks and stands in front of you. Now, this is the younger version of Gurmeher. She comes and stands in front of you. She looks into your eyes and very candidly asks you, mm-hmm. "What's the best way to live life?" 
So what would be your answer to this younger Gurmeher? Oh, I'd just be like, you've taught me that. So I'd just be like, you know it. Just do your own thing. That would be the best way to live life. Because I don't, I don't think, I don't think there's any fundamental difference between who I am right now and the younger me. We're like basically the same people and I don't think we'll change. And I wouldn't want to change anything about, about me. But I wouldn't want to tell myself anything because I think I already knew it. If I was to ever meet my younger self, I would just be like, thank you for, thank you for being who you are because it made me who I am today. Beautiful. And yeah. I, I'm so glad uh, for you taking time out today and doing this. No, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we did this. What's the best way for people to reach out to you, Gurmeher? Uh, would always be Instagram. So uh, as they say, not all soldiers serve their nation from the battlefields. Some do from outside the battlefield as well. Mm-hmm. And Gurmeher happens to be one such person. She is doing her bit to serve the nation, to make the society a better place to live. We wish you all the very best, Gurmeher, in Thank your future you. endeavors. Hopefully, we'll catch up sometime soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hustle with Harmeet. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please don't forget to leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcast. If you're listening to us on Spotify, do click on the follow button. If there's any feedback from this episode, you may write to us on hermitspeaks at gmail.com. Also, do check out our Instagram handle at the rate hustle with Hermit for all the latest updates. I'll catch up with you all next week. And yes, remember, don't give up on your life and dreams. Keep working hard, keep moving ahead and keep hustling. Because one day, your success will make all the noise. This is your host, Harmeet Singh, signing off. Goodbye.